has kind of gotten into my heart over the last several weeks is the the thing that unity that the church, the body of Christ being unified has so many blessings. Last week I started with the verse in in uh, it's Psalm 133 and it talks about that, you know, where people live together in unity and talks about what it looks like. And of course, maybe the the uh, imagery we don't really understand necessarily. Uh, you know, the oil poured over Aaron's head and the oil, oil poured over his head and all. And the long and the short of it is that at the end of that, it says that's the place in unity where people live together in unity, where they do life together in unity is where God commands a blessing. And here's the blessing. He says life forevermore. Not just for us. Life for those that look at us. Because if we, if we as the church, if we are the hope of the world, Jesus is the hope of the world, but we're the body of Christ. So when, when the world looks at the church, you know what they need to see? Perfection? Mm, probably never going to see that. Um, you know, no, no struggles? Probably never going to see that. But they need to see that the body of Christ is in unity, that we have about everything, about the things that really, really matter. You know, if you were standing over someone's bed and they were getting ready to pass on into eternity, the one thing I wouldn't probably say is, now, you know what? You and I had a disagreement about the best type of food. You said it was Chinese food, and I said it was Mexican food. Let's settle it once and for all. We wouldn't go there. I know that's a silly example, illustration. The one thing that as believers that we would really say that I would want to make sure I did this with my own brother, you know, when he was getting ready to pass from this life to the next, you know, I, I told him the one thing, the one thing that was more important than anything wasn't about how he picked on me when I was younger. It wasn't about this, that, or the other. It was about I need to know that your faith is in the right place concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, he responded to me, absolutely. We talked about it several times. Listen, the unity that we have as a body really is wrapped around one thing, and that is who Jesus is and what he's done for us, the love of God. That's really what it is. It's not there. If we can find, if we look in this room of however many folks are here, if we took time, we could probably find 500 things to disagree about. If we just took a few minutes, it wouldn't take that long, you know, because I'm sure that you have views and more dif different than I do in different areas. Let me read. Let's start here in Romans uh, this morning. Um, I want to talk about the more excellent way and this is actually taken that's taken from a verse it's first uh, uh, corinthians chapter 12 verse 31 we'll get to it in a second but you know he, he talks paul talks about things that separated the corinthian church and things that that separated the different churches that he would go to and he would talk to them about it that doesn't matter let's not that be it let that not be a deal breaker let's not allow those things to divide us let's be united why so that the world may believe, because when the world looks at the hope of eternity, the church that has the opportunity to, to share the, the message of Christ, and they see discord, and they see things that are like, man, what different? they're no different than I am. Well, we may not be different in some areas, but the one area that we are different in is this area that we know where our hope is. Hope for eternity is in Christ. Let's start here in Romans. 
if you didn't get a, uh, a handout, there should be some there. Lift your hand if you didn't get a handout, and we'll get you one. Dana didn't get one here. There's a few folks around. I'm going to go ahead and start reading and um, just catch up here. Romans chapter 14, verse 19, it says, Therefore, let every, uh, therefore, let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Let us do everything that we can. To bring us to the place where where we can have uh, peace, you know. I think for me, you know, peace at any cost is really not. That's not the key. I wouldn't do that. Peace at any cost. Well, you have to accept things that the Bible says are wrong. Well, well, the thing is, is I don't agree with that. But the thing is, we're talking to the body of Christ now. Peace. In another scripture, you can read through the through the the, God, the the epistles, and Paul says, "Do whatever is if it's in your power, do whatever it takes to to keep peace, to maintain peace." Let me just read on down through here. That's just some thoughts that uh, this is one of the most important verses in the Bible that I just read. One of the most important verses in the Bible because God wants us to live in a in such a way that we have peace with one another and that we are growing that we're supposed to grow. If I've not grown in the last year, then I'm wasting time. Then I'm in the sand spinning, just throwing sand. I'm going nowhere. And God wants us to grow so that we can reach others. He wants us to grow so that we can be his hands and his feet extended into the world. So this is one of the most important verses in the Bible. Yet we don't, by and large, the body of Christ doesn't exercise itself in this uh, ability uh, very well. But let me say this, that this command starts with me. I want you to say that. This command starts with me. It starts with us as individuals. I can't say, you know what, we'll have peace and we'll be able to grow as soon as you change, as soon as they change, as soon as this, you know what, it starts with us as individuals, with us. I need to do whatever is necessary for peace and mutual growth in my family, in the church, in my workplace. You might say, well, everybody in my workplace isn't a Christian. It doesn't matter. I need to be one of those people that when I show up, we need to be the people that when we show up, that people are happy. That people are going, oh, man, I'm so glad you're here. Rather than, oh, my gosh, we be careful what I say here. I worked in a place, and and uh, listen, I've, I've worked at great places. No, I'm not. I'm not just saying that to cover anything. But I have worked at great places. But there was one particular place I worked, and there was a person uh, that was there. And I remember they were just a little hard to get along with. And uh, so I was in, working in this particular area, and so we would see people that would come in and out all the time. And when this person would walk in, my guy that worked with me said, "What color's the mood ring today?" A mood ring. Get it? Mood ring. Some of you are going, what's a mood ring? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Wanting to know basically, are they in a good mood or a bad mood? Because that was going to determine the, 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 the day, how things were going to do. I want, when I walk in, when we walk in, I believe God wants for people to go, I'm so glad they're here. Man, they bring life. They bring peace. It's easy for me to do what I need to do to grow. And, and they're always helpful. We have, we have somewhere to strive for. We have a place to move forward in. And so, you know, a, a lot of times we see Christians 
believers, other people in other, well, around us, they're doing things that don't lead to, to, to wholeness and peace, to growth. They're doing things that lead to brokenness and, and an absence of growth. And why do they do that? Well, I think the reason a lot of times they do that is because they want to be different. Well, I'm just different. And so their differentness is, is their identity. I'm just different. This is why I just do things different. And that's okay. But the thing is, is let me tell you what makes us as Christians different. It's not the way we baptize. It's not the way we take communion. It's not that we speak in tongues or we don't speak in tongues. It's not that we do this or do that, do this. It's Christ that makes us different. That is really the unifying factor about the body of Christ, whether you are in this church or whether you're in the church right over here, which is my friend, uh, Vince Harmon, Pastor Harmon over here. You know what? Him and I can stand and talk literally for hours. When Sometimes we do that out front. We'll just stand out. He'll walk by because he lives catty corner across the street from me. And we'll get out there and we'll get to preaching to one another, talking to one another, encouraging. You know what? You know what I've never said? So how do you guys baptize anyway? So how do you guys do communion? Because to be honest with you, See, the first, when I first got saved, I was going to a church. Uh, I got saved there. It's a great church. But I was going to a church, and basically they did communion every single week. Nothing wrong with that. And then when I come here, we do communion about once a month. And I've had people say, well, we, we need to be doing it a lot more often. The Bible says as often as you do it, do it in remembrance. It doesn't say every week, every month, every year. It doesn't say that. But the thing is, is those become deal breakers, and that's the thing that happens in the church, whether it be on, on communion, whether it be on water baptism, whether it be on how you receive an offering, whether it be the type of songs you sing. Well, I don't like those songs. It's all good. Then sing the songs you like. But the fact of the matter is, is we have to find what unites us. Let me tell you what unites us. Christ is what unites us. And when we can create that environment of peace, and growth, then you know what? We're moving forward. That's where unity, and let me tell you what, that's the place. And I'm not just talking about in this building. I'm talking about in your home. I'm talking about in your workplace. That's the place that God commands a blessing. He doesn't just go, I hope everything goes well for you. He sees unity. He sees us being in that place of trying to, to bring life and to bring peace and to help people to grow into maturity. And you know what he does? He doesn't go, well, good luck. He commands a blessing in that place. He commands a blessing. I can tell you, standing up here today, I can look back on my life, and I can tell you there have been times where I have been totally offended. I know, crazy, huh? But yeah, Judy, thank you. <laughs> totally offended over things that were deal breakers for me at that time in my life. And as I got a little older, I'm thinking, what an idiot. Why, did that, why was that a deal breaker for me? Why did that cause me to withdraw? Why did that cause me to bring something into the mix that, that destroyed peace? Why? Because I was immature. Because I didn't know. When I first got saved, I didn't understand a lot of things, obviously. I still don't understand a lot of things. But I didn't understand a lot of things. But the people that God put around me, they loved me. They encouraged me. They listened to me. They laughed probably when I wasn't looking because of my lack of understanding. But you know what they do? did? They helped me. They created an atmosphere to help me to grow up. They didn't say, oh, no, wrong, right, wrong, wrong answer. Nope, that's not the way you do it. They helped me. They created an atmosphere of peace. They created an atmosphere that I could grow in. That's what we do in the church. That's what we do in our homes. That's what we do among our, our, our friends and our We create as best we can. 
you know, we, there's people and that, that, that I avoid. I'm just going to be honest with you. There's no, none, none of you here. <laughs> but I'm just saying, there's people that I avoid, and I'll tell you why. Because in those situations, it's like it's always an argument. It's always a disagreement. It's always, now, I'm, when I say I avoid them, I'm not saying, are they going to be there? I ain't going. I might think that, but I don't do that. But I'm just saying, you know what? It's like I spend as little time as I can with people that create discord. And I pray for them, honestly. I try to bring hope and all. Now, listen, I've also been that kind of a person in different places in my life, too. We're growing. We're growing up. We're growing through. If God commands a blessing on unity, why does he want to command a blessing? Because when we live in unity, that's the place, we just saw it in this video, where God creates an environment that the world can believe. Why would the world believe in a Savior that loves us and gave his life for us if he's looking at the church that believes, oh, we believe in Jesus, hallelujah. That dress is too short and, and that's too wrong. and Oh, I can't believe you do that that way. Why would I want to be a part of that? I don't. I want to be the kind of a person. I want us to be the kind of church. And we are, but we always have to watch the boundaries of our lives because things press in that become deal breakers. The only thing that's a deal breaker, and you might say, well, there ought to be more than that. The only thing that's a deal breaker is if somebody comes in and says, well, you can be a Christian. You can be born again. You can have eternal life by putting your trust in Buddha, by by keeping all the commandments. You can have eternal life. And listen, that's a deal breaker for me, and I'm going to be nice and loving to them. But the truth is that's, that's wrong. That's not what the Bible teaches. Well, how about this, that, and the other? A lot of things do not matter. I used to believe things about water baptism when I first got saved. I didn't understand. I was baptized the day I got saved, born again. I was baptized that night, and I didn't understand what baptism was all about. I just knew that I was told to be baptized, so I did it. In my mind, I'm trying to figure out, well, this is what it looked like. This is what, this is what happened. I didn't know, but I grew into it, and eventually I realized I was just being obedient, and then I began to understand and realize that's what happened. So it's not about being fully aware of every detail. It's about us being fully willing to understand as God teaches us and moves us forward. People as a whole do not like change. They don't like change. Change is hard because especially when you become, you know, a little older. It's like I've been doing this my whole life. Why would we change it now? Well, maybe there's things that God wants to change in my life that'll help me, that'll not just help me, that will help others. I'm here to help others. You know, if God's, if I'm only here for me, then God can just take me home anytime. If it's just all about me, then God just needs to take me home because it doesn't get any better here like it would be in heaven. But God keeps me here, keeps us here to make us, to help us to grow so that we can create a better environment for peace and a better environment to help people grow. I want to help others to grow. And so the thing that makes us special is Christ. And so because I recognize the thing that makes uh, us special, the thing that makes you special is not your looks. No, those are special. It's not your, your skills and your abilities. Those are special. But the thing that makes you special is Christ. When God looks at you, he doesn't go, look at that Paul Campbell. He's an electrician, excellent man. That's what makes him special. That's special. But what makes you special is Christ. Just like in all of us, that's what makes us special is Christ. 
It's, it, it levels the playing field. It levels the, the, the ground that we live on. And then we can begin to see, well, how can someone like me, you look at me and you go, how can I help him to be special? Just introduce me to Christ. Just introduce people to Christ. That's what causes them. And so whenever we, we understand that what makes people special, what makes us special in God's plan, then what we can do is we can celebrate our differences. You know, we come from so many different backgrounds, different cultures, different, you know, uh, ethnicities. You know, uh, Sarah, here a while back, she made something, uh, uh, a dessert, and it was amazing. I didn't like it, but it's okay. It tasted good, but it just kind of something I didn't really care for. I mean, don't, please don't tell her. She'll be here next week. <laughs> now, she knows. She knows because she said, Dad, how about if I make that for your birthday? And I'm going, hmm. She goes, didn't, I said, look, no, it was good. Not, not my favorite. Okay. So the thing is, is we can celebrate one another's differences. We can se- celebrate one another's uh, different. We grow up differently. We grow up in different ways with different influences in our lives. But the one thing that we are united around is Christ. That there's no other way to heaven other than through Christ. And whenever we allow anything to separate us, instead of celebrating those differences, what we do, or instead of uh, being critical, that we need to celebrate those differences. We can learn from other people that are different than us. Uh, we can share with other people. We can uh, have mutual edification. We can build each other up equally or in different ways. We can, have, we can do that for one another. And we don't have to agree on everything, but the one thing we have to do is we have to celebrate the grace of God. Celebrating the grace of God. Nobody in this room got born again apart from the grace of God. Nobody. You may not have realized it, but the grace of God is what causes us to be have a relationship with God. And I know this is simple, but here's the deal. I think that sometimes it becomes too complicated. Well, but they believe this and they believe that and they practice this. I had the, the, the thing come to me here a while back about, well, what about, what about infant baptisms or sprinkling? And Dana and I were talking about it, and I said, because I brought it up, and we chatted about it, and I said, not that she disagreed, she agreed 100%, but I said, is that a deal breaker? Would that take away salvation because somebody got sprinkled as a child? Would that, would that, what is that? It's what people do. It's a knowledge of a relationship with Christ. Come into my life, forgive my sin, be the Lord of my life. Does water baptism save people? No, it does not. Oh, now you got really, now you're getting ugly, Tom. Water baptism saves no one. It's a step of obedience that we take. I think it's important to be water baptized, absolutely. But water baptism is not, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It doesn't say anything. It's, it's the next, then there's another step. For what? For growth. I'm going to grow on. You know what? You know what? I'm, I'm going to stop lying, and I'm going to stop cheating, and I'm going to stop running around, and I'm going to stop this. But those don't save me. Those are just things that help me to live better. Those are growth steps. The one thing that 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 helps us, and this is what we're united around: that there's no way to heaven other than through Christ. Christ is the only way to eternal life. And so if you've got a loved one, a family member, a neighbor, or someone, and you're trying to, 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 to see that they find eternal life, stop talking to them about smoking. Stop talking to them about, about things like that. You know what? Let that fall off after the relationship with Christ. And you know what? It may or may never fall off. I don't know. 
But the one thing you cannot, you can go to heaven as a smoker. And I'm not going to do the joke, so just leave it alone. You know, you can go to heaven smoking. But, you know, your life just, you know, we just live at, at, a, at a different place. Uh, but you cannot go to heaven. You can't have eternal life without, life without Christ. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. So this is probably one of the most important verses in the Bible. Let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Now, I'm going to read, uh, this is a quote, and I, I tried to remember how to say this guy's name, Rupertus Meldinius. Rupertus Meldinius was a 17th century a Lutheran, a Lutheran, we don't listen to Lutherans around here. He was a Lutheran theologian, 17th century, okay? And, and this is what he wrote. I love this statement. He says, in essentials, unity. In not essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Now you stop and think about that. I, that's on your paper there. In essentials, we'll be unified. We need to be unified around essentials. And there are not that many things that are essentials. There are things, I mean, obviously we can take time and we can talk. You see, already people, well, how about, how about, how about? Look. To me personally, I didn't realize that there was a trinity when I came to God, when I came to Christ. I didn't realize there was a Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I didn't realize that there was three in one. I didn't understand that, and I'm going to be real honest with you. I still don't know that I understand it all together today. But I believe in that. But what if somebody doesn't believe in that? What if they don't understand it, and so they don't really, well, you know what? That's not a, a deal breaker for me. But there's a process of learning. And, people, and the thing is, I can either create an environment of peace to help them understand that. Why? Because when I pray to God, when I pray to the Lord Jesus, when I say, Holy Spirit, help me, I'm praying to the one and only God. I see, if anybody can get up and explain, not right this minute, maybe afterwards, <laughs> the, the Trinity, I would love to hear it. And don't use the egg or the apple illustration. Because the thing is, is I get, I understand that, and that's a good illustration. But in itself, I don't understand how that can be other than it's a miracle. If somebody can explain to me salvation, how God can take a dirty sinner, a, a lost, broken sinner, living for himself, and by the blood of, of Christ, can cleanse me and make me a new creation, I can't explain that. But you know what? I'll accept it and receive it. Every single time I, you know, I have already, but I'm just saying I would accept that every time. I can't explain exactly how it happened. I have studied, I've, and I understand more, but I can tell you honestly, I don't have a, a, a completely clear image or picture of what all that means. We can find plenty of things to disagree about, but the one thing that we are in agreement on is that there's only one way to eternal life, and that is through Christ. And God sent his Son, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. He sent his son into the world to give his life. So uh, this guy, he, he wrote this back in the 17th century. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. So let's take just a couple of a seconds and, and, and look at these, uh, these thoughts for just, a, just for a couple of seconds. You know, we're united by faith in Christ. And so therefore, that's what makes us a body. We're united by faith in Christ. That's what makes us a body. What makes us a body is not that our name is on the membership. You know, our name's on the roll. What makes us a part of the body of Christ is a relationship with God through Christ. That he, we are born again. And that is, that's an essential, is that we want people, 
uh, to, to be born again. We want them to understand and to know that. And so basically 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and 13, uh, this talks about one body with many parts. He says the human body has many parts, but uh, the many take uh, make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are uh, Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Nobody here got into the body of Christ a different way. We come through Christ. We come, and the thing is, is here's the thing. Jesus baptizes us, or he, he immerses us. He, he puts us into the body. It's not your good works. It's not even your good looks. It's, it's God's finished work that he, when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, he places us into the body. I know these are basics, but these are the basics that we are united around and the, united, the unity that we have in this one particular area is the place that God commands a blessing. Do you want to see your family saved? Do you want to see your loved ones saved? Do you want to see your friends saved? That's what we're united about. I get together from time to time. I haven't done this last year much for obvious reasons, but I would get together with different people, uh, a lot of them in ministry, and we're all very, very cautious about hot-button topics. You know, oh, somebody will say something, it's like, I'm going to talk about that. Because I disagree, because I don't understand a lot of stuff, you know, about other views on different issues. And to me, personally, are you born again? Yes, Jesus is my Lord. Hallelujah. Give me five, bro. We're part of the body. But the thing is, is the thing that makes us a part of the body is the fact that Jesus died for our sins, and he's the one that uses the phrase, he baptizes us into the body. What makes us one is the baptism that God, that the Lord Jesus immersed us into the body when we accepted him as our Lord and Savior. Uh, the, 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 the demonstration of the unity um, of, the, of the Spirit is not always evident, is it? The demonstration of the unity of the Spirit is not always in us. It's not always apparent in our lives. Why? Because we get off point and we begin to look for issues. And listen, I'm, I'm always good with a good conversation. I'm always good with the conversation. But the deal is, is if I'm discussing certain things to, to win an argument, then all I'm doing is creating tension. And, I, and the, the deal is, is are you open? Could you be wrong on anything? I know that's hard to believe. But I could be wrong on some things. As a matter of fact, I have been wrong on some things in my 45 years or whatever it is of being born again. I've been wrong on a lot of things. But the one thing is for sure, I've not been wrong about my salvation. Jesus saved me when I was 15 years old. He came into my life. He forgave my sin. And beyond that, there's all kinds of things. And, and I know I said this last week, but I'll say it again. If I were the devil, I would get you to discuss does the, does the, does the, do the communion elements really become the body and the blood of Jesus? Do they really? Because if they do, well, then you've been doing it wrong. Well, if they don't, then you've been. Here's the deal. Ah. Are we going to talk about that? No, we're not. It's a piece of cracker. And it's priest of juice. Can you do communion without grape juice? Do you have to use real wine? There's so many crazy things. We have done it. <laughs> We've done communion with orange juice before. Because that's what we had. Oh, but it wasn't red. Put some dye in it. It's all good. Because it's not about, it's 
Well, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Was it was it was it fermented or non-fermented orange uh, orange juice? <laughs> essentials, essentials. How many times have we seen Christians display ugly divisions like the church in Corinth? And I don't know that I'm going to read all this. Let me read a few of these verses. This is First Corinthians one. Uh, chapter 1, verse 10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that all of you agree with one another in what you say. Let there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, and then he goes on, and he says, some from the house of Chloe, uh, his household, have informed me that there's quarrels among you. A bunch of tattletales. I don't think you have tattletales. I think they saw the work that Paul had done, and they saw the things that were going on, and they saw them beginning to be divided, to be divisive, because the devil, if he can drive a wedge between you and your spouse, he's happy. If he can drive a wedge between you and your children, he's happy. If he can drive a wedge between you and your siblings, he's happy. He's happy. That's what he wants to do. The enemy wants to divide, separate, and conquer. That's what he wants to do. Unity is the place that God commands a blessing. That's a blessing. Uh, you know, if I can only find one thing to agree with somebody on, that's the point that we'll stick with. That's the thing that we'll stick with. We can find lots of things. Like, you know, like for instance, and I know this is the, a given, and this is honestly easy to understand. Everybody in this building knows this, but Mexican food is the best food on the planet. We know that, okay? <laughs> you can say that here, but maybe in other places you can't say that. I don't know why. They're just wrong. Thank you for that, Flog. <laughs> anyway, and then so then, uh, then, but here's what Paul says. Let me read this quickly. I'm going to move through this as quick as I can here. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1 through 5, I'm not going to read all this, but Paul says, that when I came to you, I didn't come to you with excellency or of human wisdom uh, as I proclaimed the testimony of God. For I resolved to, to know nothing while I was with you, except for Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He says, when I came to you, I made a decision. I wasn't going to talk about if you could have long hair or short hair. I wasn't going to talk about whether men should be wearing robes or whether they should not be wearing robes. I wasn't going to make a decision and talk about peripheral issues. I determined to know only one thing, and that was Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's what I made the decision when I walked in. He says, I was with you in fear and in trembling. Why? Because he didn't want, I believe, because he didn't want to miss an opportunity. Didn't want to get sidetracked. Man, the enemy will come. And the enemy will bring all kinds of crazy things. Let me move on. Okay. Let's go on. Non-essentials. This is not going to take very long. Non-essentials. Uh, we have to have liberty in areas of, that are non-essentials. They're saved in 72. And um, there were many beliefs and practices among Christians back then that are different today. They're just different. Now, the good, bad, and different. I'm just saying they're just different. I've grown. I've come through things. You, you know why things can change in areas? Because they're non-essential. Back in those days, well, not even in those days, uh, probably 15, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, man, we wore ties and, and, and suit jackets and nothing wrong with that. I like doing that every now and then, like at weddings and stuff like that. But I'm just saying, that's not a requirement. That's not an essential. That's not an essential. Paul goes through, and this is 14. Let me just, uh, this is Romans chapter 14. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to make some uh, uh, comments about it. There was apparently, in, in, in uh, the church in Rome, there was a thriving uh, vegetarian group, faction. 
and uh, it was within the church in Rome. And so basically, this is what verse 2 says in Romans chapter 14, verse 2. It says, one person believes that he may eat anything while a weaker person uh, eats only vegetables. They think this is all I can eat. Let's take that apart. I don't want to. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But it's okay if they have faith to do what they have faith. And then he calls attention to another one. And he says, uh, uh, basically, they're talking about uh, whether certain days should be holy days. No, no, this is a holy day. This is a holiday. This is a day that we that we set this apart and we celebrate. They were Jews. A lot of them were Jews. And so they were saying, well, we have to celebrate this because we were Jews. Okay, whatever. Just another day off. It's all good. But I'm not going to get into it. Paul was just saying, out of all those things, he said there's so many things to find that we can be in disagreement on. But you know what? Those are non-essential issues. Let's just let it go. Let's not argue. In verse uh, 1, uh, what does he say here in verse, verse 1? He says, as for the one, this is the very first verse in 14. He says, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinion. Welcome people that, that maybe they don't understand. And the thing is, it's not I'm the bigger person. You know what? I want to learn from everybody. I don't know. I've baptized some people in the past, and they come from a background, and they were terrified to be water baptized. And I said, why? They said, because we will be disowned by our family. And I said, man, you got to figure that out. I can't. I mean, because you know what? You're, you're born again because Christ comes into your life. But you know what? You need to figure that out. I think you take the step. They're adults. They were adults. They were adults. So here's the deal. You know what I did? I stepped away and said, you know what? When you're ready, I will water baptize you. But I'm not going to say, well, you have to be baptized or else. Man, to me personally, it's a process that people have to grow, grow through. Now, if somebody says, no, you can't receive Christ, I'd say, yeah, you really do. You absolutely do. There's so many non-essentials, so many things that do not matter. Okay, so what's the deal breaker? Quickly, what's the deal breaker? Is, is the deal breaker uh, how you're baptized? In what names you're baptized? Is the deal breaker uh, basically are you baptized front ways, back ways, you kneel in a shower? Joe, have you been baptizing people in the shower in the past at the jail? And they really got baptized? I'm going to look that up. Just saying, it's where people's faith is. It's where their faith is. But the one thing that's the deal breaker is about Christ. It's how we get to eternal life. It's how we get to eternal life. I I could spend a lot of time on this. I'm not going to do that. And the last thing is in all things, no matter what, whether they're essential or non-essential, in everything, charity or love. In everything, it's charity. Matthew 25, verse 35, starting here, read a few verses. He says, one of, this is uh, one of the, uh, Jesus had been talking, and so the Pharisees and the religious leaders, he says, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, number three. No, he didn't. He said, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The first is the greatest commandment. And the second is like that. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And let me just say this. I think I wrote it in your thinking. This came to me. God does not call us to be experts in the law. An expert of law came to Jesus. Which is the greatest commandment? Because I want to do everything Right, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus tells him, it's about love. Jesus doesn't want us. God doesn't call us to be experts in the law. He calls us to be experts in love. 
to love people. You can love people to life. You can love them into growth. You can love them into a relationship. You can love them. Not manipulate, love them. Love them where they are. Help them come to another place. Help them come. And you know something? That's what the, the, the verse here, the last verse. Let me see if I've got it here. This is John chapter 7. No, let's see. Actually, I, didn't, I don't think I wrote it down. But this is where uh, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I believe it's verse 31. Right before he goes into the love chapter, he says, after he talks to them about, you know, some of your prophets and some of your this and some of your teachers and, and all these things and qualifying. People will say, oh, I'm a prophet, I'm this, I'm that. He says, well, let me show you a better way, a more excellent way to live. That's the last verse in chapter 12, chapter 1. He says love. He starts talking about love. And then chapter uh, tw- uh, 13, First uh, Corinthians 13, 1, on through the chapter, he says, if I have love, If I don't have love, he says, and I give my body to be burned. If I give everything that I have, if I know the law, I'm just making stuff up now. If I know the law, if I baptize correctly, if I take communion correctly, if I do this correctly, but I don't have love, it's pointless. Love is the more excellent way, church. Love. You can love people to life. You can love them into into a place where they'll have a hearing ear, where they'll have an open heart, a receptive attitude. But you can be right on all of your points and right in your position. But if we don't show love, you know what people do? They shut it off. They shut us off. So God doesn't call us to be experts in the law. He calls us to be experts in love. Be the best you can at loving people, overlooking. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, if he wanted to, if he's hanging there, he could have looked and said, look at that Tom Renard. What an idiot. He could have said that. He could have said that, but you know what? He said, Father, forgive them. Because I believe from the cross, he saw you. He saw me. He saw every person that ever lives, has ever lived since that time. And he saw every person that ever will live. And this is what he said, Father, forgive them. It was an act of absolute love. You know why? He wants to love people into eternity. He's not trying to give us a bunch of rules. He wants us to have a relationship. For God so loved the world. I love this verse. That he gave his one and only son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. This morning, let me tell you what the, the more excellent way to unity is. It's love. It's being willing to love. It's being willing to bypass and look at people's lives and find the thing in their life that's worth loving and that's their soul. They're, they're, that's what's eternal in people's lives, their soul. Their soul. Let's pray.